Welcome back to Leatherheads Footy. My name is Morgan. On this episode, Fremantle Dockers early preview for 2023. Looking at them post-trade period, best 22, best 24, what their team's going to look like coming into next season. Bit of housekeeping. Uh, starting to put the audio from these shows on Spotify. If you just want the audio, jump across to Spotify. Leatherheads Footy, follow there. If you just want to listen to the audio on the bus, on the train, on the plane, whatever, whatever, on your motorcycle. Um, and... I think that's it. Like and subscribe. If you haven't, that's the other thing. Dope new intro. I think that deserves a subscribe just for putting together that. Anyway, let's start. Backline, Luke Ryan. Here's a guy, really good draft pick, uh, mature age pick, same draft as Tom Stewart, similar role, not quite as good a player, but has really played above his height and showcased his versatility as a guy who's really strong overhead, but can also kick the ball well. He's taken a lot of Frio's kickouts over the last couple of years. Um, Hayden Young probably starting to take that a little bit more off him because Hayden Young is a better kick, but that takes nothing away from Ryan because he's really good. Hopefully, Pierce and Cox stay fit and Ryan can be relied on as just an interceptor rather than a negating defender. will obviously negate as well, but he won't have to play on a key forward, which he has had to. And as a result, he's been listed as a key defender on the AFL website, which at 186 centimetres, you don't want him playing key defence. Alex Pierce, as I mentioned, he's one of your key lockdown defenders, like a Daniel Talia at the Crows a few years back. 200 centimetres, 100 kilos, Really long arms, good closing speed, really accountable defender, uh, rated really highly internally. He's one of the players that you can't really acknowledge fully watching on TV because you can't see um, all the times that he stops his opponent from even getting opportunity to win the ball. Gets a fist in very often. Um, not great with the ball in hand, but that's the same can be said for most key defenders. Just riddled with injuries over the last few years. Still relatively young though at 27, so Freya will be hoping that he's part of their next premiership team because they've got a really solid back line and he's actually one of the more experienced players in this team. He'd, he'd be in the top five, I'd say, for age, which is, is quite extraordinary at 27 and Fremantle have really built a really good young core um, and their whole team, they're like situated fantastically for a push at contending for premierships year after year for the next 10 years probably. Heath Chapman, another guy, West Australian. Um, oh, he was picked 15 or so, I think, in the 2020 draft. So coming into his third year, like really good competitor. Um, one of those ungainly so actually reminds me quite a lot of um, Michael Johnson, I think was his name, who played for Frio, that lanky defender. He, he plays a little bit like that. Very strong overhead, had that spoil uh, round one against Adelaide to save the game, um, stop the draw from happening. But he can play on smalls, 193. He's a really good kick, even though he's slightly awkward and mechanical with his kicking, but he, he kicks the ball really well, low and hard. Um, and he's he's strong, he's agile, yeah, fantastic player. And, and like, there's a common thread in this Fremantle backline. They're all really, really strong overhead. Um, we'll get to it, but probably one weakness would be the ground level stuff. Even though these these guys are all like Chapman, Young, Ryan, they're all really clean at ground level as well. So taking nothing away from that, but maybe a little bit of like that high, high end agility, um, which is where maybe a Brandon Walker comes in. But I digress. Hayden Young, um, 
close to my favorite player in the AFL. He was my favorite player from that 2019 draft. Just class, pure class, um, courageous, reads the ball really well, takes intercept marks and elite kick. He's getting stronger in the contest. When he came first came in, like he, he was dominant player. I think he was he was pick six or pick seven. Um, Sarong was the other of those picks. Frio had a, a great draft haul in that year. And he just struggled, I think, early days, just getting his body up to AFL level. You saw that with the injuries. Um, I think a quote came out of Frio saying they had to rebuild his his legs to get them up to AFL strength. And I think now, he's, now that he's got that strength through his core and through his legs, you're starting to see the player that he can be. Um, he's not getting bounced off the ball as much as he used to. And yeah, 88 kilos. He'll probably come into next year at 90 and... I think he'll he'll really start to dominate the competition. You saw games last year where, um, or yeah, this 2022 season, where he's really starting to come into his own. And Freo will want the ball in his hands whenever possible because he's close to the best kick in the comp. Uh, makes good decisions, as I mentioned. He's a pretty complete player and is also smart enough to play on, on those crafty small forwards, even though he probably doesn't quite have the pace to go with them. Brennan Cox, the other key... Um, probably got a stronger intercepting game than Pierce, but that also would be Pierce locking down the most dangerous key forward. Cox, as a result, getting a little bit more freedom because he's he's probably going to be um, slightly stronger than his opponent. His intercept marking game's really good, and yeah, again, a little bit better with ball in hand than Pierce, but that that's not his job in the team. Starting to look really, really strong and really assured in the back line, so... If those two can stay fit, Fremantle are really well positioned from a um, key defender point of view. Jordan Clark, good acquisition from Geelong, came across. His game definitely suits the wider stadium of Optus over in Perth a lot more than the narrow ground down at Geelong. He can use his pace, his run on the outside, running off halfback. He looks like he's just been giving a license and a lot of freedom, and he's able to create with that. Um, maybe not as defensively accountable, but looking at his stats for the 22-22 uh, team, he, he stacked up pretty much equally with Hayden Young, which I didn't expect, but I thought Hayden Young would be quite a while ahead of him for um, like intercepts and stuff like that. But Clark, yeah, he, he had a good year, definitely had a good year, and, and he'll look to uh, improve on that. As I mentioned, he adds that pace, which, if anything, for our backline is missing. Jump across to Brand Walker. He's a guy that I think definitely plays just because of that small forward danger. Uh, any sort of overhead threats, this back line will have covered, but if you want to lock down on a really dangerous, really pacey small forward, you'll need a guy like Brandon Walker, and he looked like he came into the team to fill that role towards the end of the year, and I expect him to uh, hold on to that position. And uh, that leaves Wilson, who I, th- I don't think will be in the um, the best 22. I've, just, I've got best 24, got six on the bench, and whether there's four or five on the bench next year, one guy will miss out, and this team I think it'll be Wilson just has been pushed out of the team. He was in there as a kicker, basically. That that was all he really brought to the team was he's a good kicker of the footy. He's not overly quick or anything, That, but now you've got guys who are equally good with ball in hand, but offer more defensively, probably offer more as an all-round package, and they can cover his strengths as well. So he's found his way out of the team. But I think, yeah, they don't really have anyone else in that defensive position to come in. Alrighty, moving into the midfield. This, a little bit tricky, um, the, sort of the inside mids pick themselves. There's a few guys that pick themselves in this team, but I think they might be missing a little bit of outside run, um, which is where a couple of guys that I haven't put into this mix 
could come in. You got guys like Erasmus and Matthew Johnson. I think that might have been where I was getting that name from before, but they, I think they're definitely A grade um, or AFL level players for sure, for sure. Um, Erasmus, I think, yeah, really, really good talent, and so is Johnson, um, really smooth mover. I think um, Johnson, natural replacement for David Mundy. You can see a little bit of similarities in the way that he plays, like smooth, tall midfielder. Look, uh, looks like he has lots of time. Beautiful kick. Erasmus, probably more of a natural replacement for Fife. He's strong overhead. He's a bit more mercurial. His kicking is a little bit awkward, but I think he makes up for it. He, he'll be a fantastic inside mid, like a bully king, gets his hands free, but he's also got a really strong endurance base. So um, good forward craft too. He, he's done some special things. Like he dominated the Waffle Colts coming through. But I digress. They're probably the next two in. Um, and if I would point, would, yeah, pick someone to go out of the team, I'd say it'd be one of Brody or Fife. Whether that's Brody being squeezed out because Fife is fit, or maybe Fife pushing forward, or Fife being injured, or um, yeah, retiring, getting towards the end of his career, I think they're the next natural replacements. But I'll start with the wing. Nathan O'Driscoll showed a lot of promise. He's he's a yeah, a slightly awkward looking winger. Um, he's lanky, but yeah, he can he can kick the footy as you saw like. Kicks some really, really good goals and just looks like he plays with that energy and um, brings something a little bit different, which I think will be a good attribute coming into this Fremantle team. And with Blake Akers moving out, I think it makes sense to put someone like him on the wing. You've got Aish, who's, yeah, he's just really reliable. He's younger than I thought he was too. Seems like he's been around for a while, but he just plays that wing role really smartly. And in the Fremantle team, it's an important role. They like to chip the ball around, so they need someone that can just find space, take an uncontested mark, not make any mistakes with the footy, and Ash can do that. The third guy who would be in that wing rotation is probably where we're running into a few roadblocks. Like, Omira could play a little bit on the wing, but other than that, you don't want Brasher on the wing, Sarong or Brody. Brody can't play on the wing. He can't run well enough. Sarong's your sort of gun extractor inside, so you don't want him there. And then Fife, yeah, obviously not on the wing. If anything, he would play forward. So perhaps missing a bit of a wing. And as I mentioned, that's when where Johnson, I can see him coming in and getting some games. Uh, I've got Brody on the bench. I think with Fife and Brody, I can't really see both of them getting heaps of mid-time. I think, yeah, one of them will miss out. Um, and potentially that's Brody, even though he had a great year and probably looking toward the, toward the future, um, you'd think that, it would be smarter to give him more opportunities because Fife doesn't have long left and he is dangerous as a forward, whereas Brody is not. Darcy, obviously going to be very interesting with the ruck set up at Fremantle. Not really sure how it's going to go, but Darcy is definitely a better ruck than he is a forward, even though he's dangerous forward as well. But we also don't know what Jackson's going to offer. So I've got Darcy starting in the ruck just as the incumbent. And I think he's probably a more reliable tap, tap ruckman and better in those wrestling situations. He's not going to get bumped off the ball. Um, probably not at center bounce where you can get a run and jump. Jackson would probably be better. So we could even see Jackson starting center bounce hit out ruck and maybe Darcy taking the around the ground stuff where you are wrestling a lot more and he can use his frame. 110 kilos. He's a massive man. So also got that touch. I think that's, yeah, crucial um, is how that ruck roll is going to play out between the two of them and 
whether they can get involved enough around the ground because I don't think either of them are natural forwards, which is kind of what Frio's calling out for. We'll see when we get to the forward line that they're, they're really missing a, a focal point. The The rest of their team's looking really solid and solid for the next five, ten years, but they're missing yeah one or two real focal points that can take contested marks, but I'll get to that later. Um, Brayshaw, fourth in the Brownlow, just keeps getting better and better. Seems like the ultimate professional, really humble guy. Just runs all day and just works and works. Works hard defensively, works hard offensively. Chase down tackle on uh, Luke Jackson, incidentally, was, I thought, perfectly illustrated why he is as good as he is statistically. Like, he was a fantastic fantasy player. But when you see his hunt to influence, and he ran past about three players to lay that tackle, three opposition players, should have put a chef on, but... That's not the point. Um, you, you can just tell that he's got that determination and that'll keep him in good stead for the rest of his career. He's got that leadership. He's starting to kick goals now. Yeah, pr- a pretty complete player. Doesn't do anything special, but he just doesn't make mistakes and he does lots of little things over and over again that accumulate and end up winning games for his team. Sarong, another guy in that conversation for favourite player in the comp. Absolutely love him. Um, he's, yeah, I'm not sure if this makes sense, but... You've got inside mids that are strong, but they're a bit stiff and awkward. Like Dylan Shield, perfect example. Like he's almost robotic and he like kind of like a video game character. And it means that he's not able to get handballs like over the corner or anything. He can only pass someone that's directly in front of him. It takes him a little while to wind up with his kick and his handball. And then you've got guys that, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, like, rubbery elastic players like Jack Martin's probably first one that I thought of. I'm trying to think of a, a midfielder that you'd, you'd put in this same category. Um, yeah, maybe Jack Martin, Lockie Whitfield, like those flexible, agile guys that can sort of get the ball out in awkward ways to a teammate, but generally they're not strong enough to hold themselves over the ball. And then in my opinion, the ideal inside midfielder is this mix of strength, but also this rubbery agility. Because a lot of the times, you're not going to get a clean handball to someone directly in front of you. Someone like Lockie Neal is fantastic. Uh, it's a skill, like I'll talk about it more in future videos, but you've got obviously your like your handballing ability and your kicking ability is predicated on the fact that you're actually able to dispose of the ball. So then you've got a skill which I like to call handball agility and kicking agility, which is not your ability to hit a target, but your ability to actually get yourself in a position to dispose of the ball. So someone like Tom Mitchell and Lockie Neal have fantastic handball agility because they're able to contort their body and get their hands and body in a position where they're able to release the ball, no matter how much body contact is coming from around them. Now, Sarong is another guy who's fantastic at that. He can be getting hit very hard, but... He's got the core strength, he's got the presence of mind, and he's got the flexibility in his limbs and his body to get a handball out to where he wants, no matter the situation that's going on around him. Fife is a guy that probably relies a bit more on strength. Like someone like Fife, Dangerfield, Cripps, they, they're able to get the ball out, but it's probably more through brute force. And um, just aesthetically, I don't like to watch that as much, but that's that's purely a personal thing. Uh, brings me to Nat Fife. Still... I think when he's on, could be one of the more damaging players in the competition. And we saw from Paddy Dangerfield how with a guy like this, 
Brownlow medalist, absolute game breaker at his best. If you can keep him fit and primed for when the games are really crucial, as they did for Danger, rested him, came out, prelim final, destroyed Brisbane, grand final, played really well as well. So he's he's got the potential to win a Norm Smith medal and win Fremantle a premiership, but the most important thing will just be managing his body. And that, that could be stints forward. That could be resting him for games. We'll see how it plays out. But yeah, very important. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be writing him off at any stretch. I think, I think he's still got a massive role to play for Fremantle. And O'Meara is the other guy that ideally would be playing inside mid, but he might have to play a little bit of time on the wing just because of this Fremantle mix. It'd be interesting to see, be interesting to see whether he was sort of a player that they got in because the opportunity arose or whether they were actually looking for that more on-ball experience. Because even though that like they're really promising and developing, you would say with Fife not in the midfield that they're pretty light on for experience and maybe just get beaten up a little bit around the ball. So bring O'Meara in, Jackson as well, if he's playing as a midfielder instead of a ruck, you just got a lot, a bit more strength and definitely experience around the ball. And yeah, it'd be interesting. O'Meara at his third club looked like he could have been anything when he burst on the scene. There's a mini draft selection. Yeah. We'll talk about mini drafts later. They're interesting when you start to think about uh, what the draft age should be. But I digress. Moving into the forward line, this video feels like it's been all over the place, but what can you do, right? The brain does what it wants. Forward line, Lockie Schultz. Just, you can't not like this guy because he gives 110% every week, even though it's impossible. He still does it, even more impressive. Um, Tackling, like, yeah. He's so hard at the footy. He's so hard at the opposition. Lays huge hits and tackles. Massive pressure and, like, crafty. Kicks goals and then celebrates like he's just won the grand final, which, yeah, you love. He he brings heaps of energy, um, heaps of sort of emotional, I don't know what you'd call that, celebration energy like Tom Papley does, but also just brings heaps of um, like actual intensity and physicality and pressure to that forward line. Tabana, yeah, probably not going to set the world on fire, but they really need him, I think. I don't know who else is going to kick goals consistently and especially like just be a tall a tall presence. The forward line is pretty much the opposite of their back line in that they don't really have much of an overhead presence. Um, obviously bringing Jackson in will help that, but at the same time, they've lost Rory Lobb, who is, a, is arguably a better contested mark than Jackson, more experienced as well. So Jackson and Corbett, even though he's undersized, Corbett does have really strong hands and huge hands, probably helps and is strong on the lead. So hopefully he can bring a little bit of that, yeah, aerial presence in the forward line, but Tabana, Another guy's just injury affected, hits up at the ball, like started to get involved, pushing really far up the ground to the wing. Pretty reliable set shot at goal, but yeah, again, nothing special. He's kind of like a left-footed Ben Brown, really, if, if yeah, I haven't thought about that until now, but that makes sense. Sweet Kowski, I love this guy. He, I think he's just, he's like fantastic player, really, really clever. He, he does some like brilliant things, footy smarts wise, really, really, like a bit like Shane Edwards, just takes takes like forward 50 intercept marks which you almost never see he just reads the ball that well he's really brave going back with the flight he's got a good vertical jump and he picks off these kicks from defenders that no one else would have even thought to get to 
But then in the process, he gets kneed in the kidney and he misses four weeks. Always injured. Um, He's had like back problems, had a broken back, but fantastic when he's up and running. And uh, yeah, Def like one of the first picked, I think, when he's fit. Jackson, very interesting. As I mentioned with Darcy, it'll be interesting to see how he plays. Um, I think he's still got a bit of development ahead of him, but you can just see like the potential is enormous for Luke Jackson. For me, I think he's he's oh, further up the ground player. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure why I think that, but he's just yeah another guy like rubbery, but he would be an absolute stoppage machine if he could get in there. Mixture of getting the taps and then winning them on the ground. He's got great acceleration. He can lay tackles. His tackling is really impressive, but he's clean at ground level. Gets the handball out. I just think he's he'd be most valuable around the stoppage. And then he can take a screamer on top of that. But I think, yeah, probably better around the middle of the ground rather than forward. Now, Jaimis, he's a guy that they will really be pinning their hopes on going forward. He he looks like a real talent. His body work is fantastic for a young guy who's undersized. He outmuscles his opponents. He looks like he's got fantastic temperament. He's a really good set shot on goal. And he's agile too. He's not a like lumbering full forward. He's he's one of the modern day full forwards that yeah can step around his opponent, kick snaps. He's not just a hit up mark, kick goal guy, but he can do that as well. As you can see, 196 centimetres, 83 kilos, so still got a lot of filling out to do. But when he does, I think he'll be a fantastic player and Fremantle will really need it because they don't have many genuine key forwards coming through. Uh, Mike Walters, he's a guy... Uh, Pretty similar to Fife, actually. He still has game-winning game, game winning class and ability, but um, just not sure how consistently we'll see it. Uh, that's where I've got Michael Frederick, you know, the Mikes, like Mikes, um, combining. I think Frederick, a bit like Brandon Walker, they just need him for the pace and forward pressure. And if Walter starts to drop off, I think that Frederick will be in that forward line. He did some very exciting things, just raw pace, breaking the game open, which... Seems to be how Frio like to attack. And I think it, it'll be how they'll have to attack. They can't really go slow. I think they'll have to be very quick. Once they win the ball back with that really strong intercepting back line, they're going to have to go quickly because this forward line is not going to win contested marks to um, kick heaps of goals. They might get the odd one. Luke Jackson might you know, win the Coleman, have a huge breakout, but can't really see that happening. They're going to have to be quick and they're going to have to kick lots of goals through these smalls and... Yeah, the tall guys sort of playing second fiddle a little bit. Guys like Tavener, Corbett, hitting up at the ground, taking a few marks on the lead, but yeah, get it in quickly so the smalls can do their work. And if you do get it in quickly, more of a chance that one of these tall guys will be out in space and be able to take an uncontested mark, but won't have to wrestle with a guy that will probably beat them in the air. So that's my Fremantle team. A little bit longer than usual, but yeah. Maybe it's just more exciting team. I genuinely, I'm really excited about Frio. I think being a being an out of Victoria team, you, you see it a lot. Is you don't have to be as good to make top four if you're from Brisbane or Adelaide or Perth or Sydney, because, well, yeah, I don't know if this makes sense, but in Victoria, say if you like, if you win. If you win 10 games the previous year, you have to actually improve by quite a lot to win like 16 games the next year. 
because you don't get a massive home ground advantage against all the Victorian teams. You get a big home ground advantage against the teams that travel from interstate, but you probably were already capitalizing on that home ground advantage the previous year. But teams like a Frio who are from out of state, it, you saw with their big improvement this year, you, could, you see with how quickly the Swans improved. If you're one of these uh, out of state teams, out of Victoria teams, I'm, I'm from Cairns, by the way, I'm not Vic Bias. Yeah, don't know if you picked that up, but these teams that aren't from Victoria, if they improve even a little bit because of that massive home ground advantage, that could be the difference between winning like 12 games up to 16 or winning six games up to 12. So it's just something to watch out for. Uh, something that you, yeah, you'll notice if you look back at previous ladders, you'll see that very often like one or two teams in the top four will be outside of Victoria um, just because it, it's so hard for teams to travel there and win, especially if they're pretty good. I've, yeah, this is genuine rambling now. So I'm going to stop, but thank you for listening if you've made it this far and I'll see you next time.